Give us, give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. You know, we want to receive what the Lord wants to do in our lives. And uh, we need Him to do that. We need Him to clear the way. You know, we got so many, so many things in our lives that are just not pleasing to Him. And so we just need to be honest about that. And we need to bring that before Him. He's in the business of cleaning, up, cleaning things up. You know, making a way for Him to work and change us. And so I do like that, that song. Give us clean hands. Give us a pure heart. And may we not lift our souls to another. Let's lift it to the Lord today. Uh, also, too, I want to remind you to be in prayer for a few of our members this week. Uh, Roy Jones is having surgery tomorrow. I want to, pr- I want to pray for him. Pray that uh, God brings healing to him quickly. I also want to continue to pray for Adam Deal. Uh, his father went to be with the Lord this week. And so let's, let's continue to keep him in our prayers as well and continue to love on them in the days ahead. Now, I hope you have your scripture with you. God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, my words have little power, little, little uh, you know, ability to do much work in your life, but God's word does. And so we want to open it up every week. And so as the choir comes down, that's your cue. Okay, so if you worship with us on a regular basis, that's your cue to get your Bible out or your Bible app or whatever you have with the scripture on it. Uh, because this is the Word of God, and it penetrates our hearts and souls and even marrow and brings about the change that God wants in our lives. And so this morning we're going to read from James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, jealousy, And selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. But is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists. There will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure. Then peaceable. Gentle. Open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, as many of you know, uh, Reverend Billy Graham went to be with the Lord this week. And, um, you know, as a fascinating person. That God used in powerful ways, but you know, you wonder, you know, what what was it about Billy Graham that caused uh, presidents and world leaders and royalty to seek his counsel? You know, what was it? What was it about him? Um, you know, he wasn't the smartest Christian in the world, and yet these world leaders called him in to seek his counsel. Uh, his methods were unusual to some especially in some other countries, and yet people crowded in into stadiums and venues to hear him speak. He wasn't as attractive as some celebrities, and yet when he would come on the television, people would stop what they were doing, and they would make their way to the television set to watch him speak. He only spoke English, and yet he went to all these different countries, and people from other languages still would flock to hear him speak and preach the gospel and so what was it about Billy Graham that, that drew people to him and to hear his message? 
I think we'd all agree, obviously had a unique calling on his life that God enabled him to carry out. His message was the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about that. Uh, But I think there's something else, too, that continued to be a factor that really drew people to hear Reverend Graham. And I think that the fact that uh, people continued to listen to him was that not only did he preach the gospel, but that his life mirrored his message. You know, he talked the talk, no doubt about it, to millions of people, but he also walked the walk. Reverend Graham once said that the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. This is godly wisdom. Talking the talk but also walking the walk. When your life mirrors the message, you are a wise person. And you know, uh, Christians are called to be wise. And this is what James is getting at in this passage. He wants us to possess the same wisdom that Reverend Graham took hold of when he was with us. But we must ask ourselves, okay, what does it mean to be wise? I mean, does it mean, you know, accumulating a lot of knowledge about God being able to, to understand and explain all the different intricacies of the Christian faith. What does it look like to be wise? That's the question. And in this short passage we're looking at this morning, we're going to see what it looks like to be wise. James is going to help us understand what godly wisdom is. And I'm sure now, none of us want to be foolish, right? So we want to be wise. And so we're going to dive in and we're going to see what James has to tell us about how to be a wise person, how to have godly wisdom. And he begins in verse 13 by saying, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Listen to this. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And this is an interesting characteristic of wisdom that you may not first think of. Sometimes we can think of the wise person as being able to articulate certain truths and And share certain ideas. But James actually says that an important characteristic of godly wisdom is that wisdom is primarily seen and not heard. You see it put on display in the life of a person. Not just by what they say, but what they do. And you've heard the phrase, you know, actions speak louder than words, right? That's what James is saying. By your conduct, you demonstrate your wisdom and your understanding. Not by what you say, but by what you do. So actions speak louder than words. The the wise person lives in such a way that their life lines up with God's truth. That's what wisdom is all about. It's being able to properly apply God's truth into your everyday life. That's wisdom. And so Christians, we realize that godly wisdom is a gift. When you think about applying God's word to your life in everyday circumstances... Each and every day, that is a gift. And we recognize that it is God Himself that has made it possible for us to receive this gift of who God is. You know, God has made Himself known to us. He's told us about who we are, our predicament, what we need. Uh, he sent to us His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have the capacity for this godly wisdom. Not only the capacity to know it, but the ability to then live it out through the Spirit of God. 
And so God has granted us this privilege through Jesus Christ. And Paul says this in Colossians 2, 3. I love this when he says it's about Jesus. He says, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So wisdom is not just some abstract idea out there. It's actually centered in, in a person and in a relationship with that person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And so if we want to be wise, first and foremost, we need to know God. We need to receive God's gift of Jesus Christ. We need to have the spiritual life that God gives, which opens us up to be able to in, you know, intake the, the knowledge of God and also practice the truth of God in our lives, which constitutes wisdom. And so we need to ask Christ to, to come into our lives and make us the kind of people that He wants us to be. And as we journey with Christ, we apply these truths to our lives. So wisdom is a gift. And therefore, and this is why James says this, yes, wisdom shows itself in your life, but it shows itself in a unique way, and that is it shows itself in meekness. Meekness, not arrogance. Meekness. Meekness because we realize that it comes from God. It's, it's been given to us. We didn't create it ourselves. I mean, we received it. And therefore, why would we be arrogant with this truth? You know, we live out the truth of God in humility, in meekness. And in God's sight, meekness is a strength and not a weakness. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. You know, meekness is the ability to live for God without arrogance. It's, it's being confident and decisive as well as patient and loving. It's living out what you believe without elevating yourself above others. Or believing yourself to be inferior to others. So the wise person walks the walk and talks the talk. And he does so with meekness. And those around you see that. Right? I mean, they see you. They see what you do. They see your life. And so they see how you carry yourself. They see how you live out your convictions. They see how you live out your faith. And we know that godly wisdom affects our behavior and people see it. And when we're living it out rightly, it is attractive. It is a beautiful thing. And people are drawn to it. And so we know that godly wisdom makes its way into our conduct. It affects how we live our lives. We know, according to James, it should be lived out in meekness. But what does it look like? What, what is it itself? You know, would we know it if we saw it? Well, James helps us to be able to tell the difference. He's going to go into contrasting what worldly wisdom looks like versus what godly wisdom looks like. In other words, he's going to help us distinguish between the two so that we're not confused and so that we embrace what is true and godly. So in verses 14 through 16, he tells us what worldly wisdom looks like. You know, quote unquote worldly, quote unquote wisdom. And then he tells us in verses 17 through 18... What godly wisdom looks like. And so as we walk through these two descriptions, I want you to consider what your life looks like. Not what you believe, but what your life looks like. Because that's how you tell if you're walking in wisdom or not. I want you to ask yourself, 
do these characteristics describe my life? And if you find that some of these characteristics of worldly wisdom describe your life, and you see them in your heart, then I want to encourage you to bring that to the Lord. Because He's the heart changer, right? He's the one who brings about the change. And so bring that to God. Ask Him to bring about the change that, that you need. And let's be willing to learn. Let's be willing to be humble and take in the truth of God and let it pierce those parts of our lives that need to be changed. And let's celebrate those areas of our lives where we see God working. Maybe you see, when we see godly wisdom described here, maybe you'll see some things that are true of your life. And let's celebrate that and thank God for that. So let's look what uh, worldly wisdom looks like. Verses 14 through 16, James describes it this way. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So first he tells us, how worldly wisdom shows itself in the heart. And then he shows us that there, he gives us this threefold description of worldly wisdom. And then he talks about the effects of worldly wisdom. So first he tells us how worldly wisdom <clears throat> shows itself in the heart. He says that worldly wisdom shows itself in bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Bitter jealousy is, is a resentful attitude. It's, it's an attitude, a zeal. To show yourself better than another person. Even if that means harming them in some way. It's having to be better. Even if it means harming the other person. It also shows itself in this selfish ambition. One commentator defines selfish selfish ambition as being out for self and for nothing else. And which is ready to intrigue and to plot and to use any means to gain its end. So you see bitter jealousy and selfish ambition going together. And where you find one often you find the other. And this is what worldly wisdom looks like in the heart. This is how it takes root in the heart. And the reflex of worldly wisdom may have been seen just recently. In, this, uh, in, the re- in, this, in a recent race during the Winter Olympics. I don't know if you've been watching the Winter Olympics. I have to confess I really haven't been watching actually none of it. Um, but I see you know. Some highlights of curling every now and then on the on the television show. I mean, I mean on the news. Some reason people get fascinated by that. But we even talked about it in Sunday school. But there was this speed skating race, which is pretty phenomenal if you've ever seen one of these things. Uh, speed skating on ice, which is wild. Um, but this reflex of worldly wisdom may have shown itself in a recent race. Uh, Time.com reports that a North Korean speed skater appeared to try to trip. His Japanese opponent during a men's 500 meter short track heat on Tuesday, prompting Olympic officials to restart the race. So after falling within the first few seconds of the event, the North Korean skater reached out and grabbed the skate of his Japanese opponent in an apparent attempt to take down the rival skater. Maybe he did, maybe he the Japanese skater said, you know, I don't know if it's intentional. He may have just been kind of reaching out as a reflex. I don't know. And you can watch the video online and you can be the judge. But if he actually did try that, he was falling. And if he actually did try to reach out to grab that skate to trip up his opponent, that's a great example of worldly wisdom. Selfish ambition. This attitude that says, that, well, if I can't win, 
Neither can you. Taking them out, right? Or even trying to restart the race so I can have another shot at it. That's a great example of worldly wisdom showing its face. And you know what I find when I look at my own heart, and maybe yours as well, that, that we are fairly you know, peaceable, kind people, open to reason, merciful, as long as things go our way. <laughs> but then, you know, when things don't go our way, then how do we respond? When, you know, when someone disagrees with us or they do things the way that, you know, we think it could be done better this way or they do it in a different way or even a wrong way. You know, how do we respond? Are we still gracious and merciful, open to reason, merciful, peaceable, kind? Or do we just trip them up and say, you know what, you know, look at you, you know. You're no good. Thinking to ourselves, how can I put them down so I can elevate myself? I mean, that's worldly wisdom. And that's what we see in this description of James. Whenever bitter jealousy and selfish ambition show itself, worldly wisdom is present. Second, he gives us a threefold description of this worldly wisdom. First, he says it's earthy, earthly. Now, you may say, well, Ron, that sounds good. Earthly sounds good. You know, when I go to the grocery store, I'm looking for organic produce. You know, natural produce, earthly. And for produce, that's fine. But when it comes to wisdom, you don't want earthly, organic wisdom, right? You don't want wisdom that's coming from the earth, coming from natural man, right? We want wisdom that is coming from God. Second, he says, worldly wisdom is unspiritual. And the word unspiritual is the same word Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 2, To describe a person without the Spirit of God. He says the natural person in 1 Corinthians 2.14. He says the natural person, the unspiritual person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so worldly wisdom is unspiritual in that it comes from the mind of man. It does not come from the mind of God. And I wonder, have you ever tried to build a Lego set? You know, you get these Lego sets in the store and they have this instruction booklet that takes you step by step. Well, have you ever tried to build a Lego set without the instruction booklet? You know, it's pretty difficult, especially if it's a very complex Lego set. You may say, well, I'm just going to forget the picture. I'm going to forget the instruction booklet. I have a thousand Legos. I'm just going to build build what I want to build. Well, that's worldly wisdom saying, you know what? I'm going to live life the way I want to live it. I'm going to figure it out myself. I'm going to do what I want. That's trying to build the Lego set without the instruction booklet. It's coming from the heart of man and you're not seeking guidance from the heart of God. So not only is worldly wisdom earthly and unspiritual, James says it's also demonic. Now what you need to realize is that if you think ideas are neutral, then you're deceiving yourself. Ideas are not neutral. And this is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. 
See, Paul knew every thought that crosses your mind is not neutral. But I need to check it. And I need to take it captive. To obey Christ. So worldly wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And the way you can see it is by what it produces. <clears throat> look, look at his effects. He says, the third truth here, James tells us that about what worldly wisdom produces. Verse 16. Listen to what he says. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, he says there will be, not there might be, but there will be disorder. There's the breaking down of relationship. There's a breaking down of community and every vile practice. Worldly wisdom produces disorder in every destructive practice. I want to tell you another story. I've heard a few pastors share this. It's a story about two men who lived in a village. We'll call one man bitter jealous and we'll call the other man selfish ambition. Okay. So the ruler of the city uh, sent for these two men, bitter jealous and selfish ambition. And he wanted to grant them one wish with only one provision. He said, the first person that will make his wish, I'll give you whatever you want. You will get exactly what you want. But here's the only provision. The second person that makes, or you, you get whatever you want, but the second person gets twice what you ask for. So the first man, you can wish for whatever you want and I will grant that wish. But the provision is the second person gets twice what you ask for. Well, bitter jealous was ordered to choose first. And uh, bitter jealous immediately found himself in a quandary. Because he wanted to choose something great for himself. Right? But what would happen? If I choose something great for myself, twice that much is going to be given to this other guy. <clears throat> and my name is Bitter Jealous. And that wouldn't fare too well for me, would it? So he thought for a while, and then he came up with a, a request. He said, uh, I would like for you to put out one of my eyes. See, this is the fruit of worldly wisdom. It's saying, I would rather have one of my eyes taken out if that means two of yours are taken out. And it, you see this in the church. It could seep into the church, even to the lives of believers, and we can begin to pray this way. Lord, now you may not verbalize it, but we may say this. Lord, I would rather your work not be done than to have someone else do it better than me. See, that's that. Worldly wisdom, it produces disorder in every vile practice. So when you try to build your life from the ground up instead of from above, it results in disorder. And so we need to be thinking about our own lives. You know, what does my life look like? Am I creating disorder or am I bringing about order? Am I, am I making you know, factions or am I bringing people together? into the knowledge of the Lord and helping people connect to one another? Am I living out truth? The Bible tells us that 
you cannot help but to live out what is in your heart. You will. We will live out what is, whatever is in our hearts. And that's why the Bible tells us that when someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, they receive a new heart. They receive a new life. They are a new creation. Because in Christ, our hearts are then given the capacity for godly wisdom. And we are empowered by the Spirit of God to actually live out God's truth. And so this is in our grasp. We can actually have this and experience it. And so when we follow Jesus, we begin to gain godly wisdom. And so, you know, when you build the Lego set, we're not just building whatever we want. We're building this set according to God's instruction. We're asking the Lord, Lord, what would you like for this to look like? And we are following it in obedience. James then tells us, okay, this is what worldly wisdom looks like. But let me tell you what godly wisdom looks like. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure. Godly wisdom aligns with who God is. God himself is the standard by which we must align our lives. I wonder, have any of you all taken uh, like a drafting class? I took two of them. They called it mechanical drawing when I was in high school. I took two years of this class, mechanical drawing. And so what you would have to do, the first thing you would have to do in mechanical drawing is you'd have to set up your paper. And you would be given an assignment. You had to draw this, this certain picture and it would give you the different measurements. And the first thing you had to do was square up your paper. And the way you would do that is you would use this tool called a T-square. Very creative name because that's exactly what it was. It was a T and it looked like a T and you used it to square up your paper. So that's what it was. It's a T-square. And so what you would do is you put that T-square on your, on your table and you would you have your paper there and you would begin to draw horizontal and vertical lines based on the T-square. It would set the direction. And then based on those lines, you could then draw your angled lines and you could create your drawing. When in a similar way, God's Word is our T-square. I mean, it, it is what we are to line ourselves up to. It helps set the direction. It helps us to see, God, where do you want us to go? It's our instruction booklet, so to speak. It, it puts that pure, straight edge that we need to line our lives up to. So godly wisdom is first pure. It's undefiled. It's straight. Then, he says, then it's peaceable, gentle, open to reason. And notice how these characteristics, characteristics contrast with jealousy. Not bitter jealousy, but peaceable, kind, open to reason. You know, godly wisdom promotes peace. The wise person helps people be at peace with God and one another. Also, godly wisdom is gentle, meaning it is fair, considerate, generous, rather than rigid and exacting in his relationships with others. Aristotle contrasted this idea with strict justice. You know, godly wisdom knows what to hold fast to, what to be more flexible with one man said that the wise man is the man who knows how to forgive when strict justice gives him a perfect right to condemn godly wisdom is open to reason the idea here is that he's willing to listen she's willing to listen not being stubborn but being willing to be persuaded 
by the truth. Then James goes on to say that godly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. You know, I love this, that the Christian concept of mercy is a powerful concept. You know, someone may believe that it is it is proper to extend mercy, to extend help to someone who is suffering unjustly, right? Like if someone's suffering for something they didn't cause to happen, you know, we should extend mercy and help to that person. But what about the person who is suffering because of their own because of their own poor choices? The Christian concept of mercy says, I still want to extend help to that person. Whether they're suffering unjustly or justly, I still want to show mercy and I want to show help to that person. That's the concept of Christian mercy. Because isn't that what God has done for us? (laughs) We suffer because of what we've done, our sin. And yet God still extends mercy to us. He extends help. He extends His Son to us. So James says godly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. In other words, it's not just a matter of feeling compassion for someone or pity for someone, but it actually compels you to do something about it, that you're actually going to help that person out. It's full of mercy and good works. Godly wisdom is also impartial and sincere. It's impartial in that it doesn't change with the wind. It's fixed because it's founded in the unchangeable nature of God's Word. Godly wisdom is undivided. And it finds its convictions in God's Word and will not be moved. It's sincere in that it's not hypocritical. It, It talks the talk. It walks the walk. And then finally, James tells us in verse 18, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You know, worldly wisdom creates disorder. And we've seen that. You've seen that. You've seen how sin breaks things down in the lives of individuals, in the lives of families, in the lives of communities, in the lives of churches. You've seen that. That is worldly wisdom. That does not come from God. It creates disorder. But over here, godly wisdom sown in peace produces righteousness, goodness. You could say produces right relationships with God and with man. And so we see the difference. We see the contrast. And so the question now is, well, let's look at our lives. What does my life look like? Am I worldly or godly? Am I seeing this in my life or am I seeing these other characteristics in my life. And we all know our heart can produce both of these, right? And so I want to just be honest with myself. Do I see these sinful characteristics in my life? If so, I need to bring that to the Lord and ask God to bring about change in that. If I see these others, these godly characteristics in my life, I want to thank God for that. It's a gift. And so I should be living this out in meekness. You know, we going through life uh, looking down, for guidance, or are we looking above, looking up? You know, are we following ourselves, or are we following the Savior? And what's interesting is that every one of us, we have a choice to make every day. When we step out of bed in the morning, which direction are we going to go? Are we going to live for self and pull from worldly wisdom, or are we going to seek the Lord and be guided by 
godly wisdom. And I hope we'll choose, at least my prayer is that I'll choose, maybe hopefully you'll choose as well, that, that we'll not only give our lives to Christ, many of you have done that already, and if you haven't, I encourage you to do that, give your life to Christ, and then allow us to experience this new life that God gives us. Let's, let's choose to, to look at every decision through that eternal perspective that God gives us in His Word. How are we going to live out God's truth in the giving, a given circumstance? And let's choose peace over disorder. Let's just choose mercy over destruction. And our talk should match our walk, right? And our walk should match our talk. And where we see discrepancy, we need to be quick to bring that to the Lord and ask Him to align our hearts to His pure truth so that we may be wise. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word and how it speaks truth to us. It aligns our hearts and shows us where we're out of sync. And Lord, we confess that we do see some of these uh, characteristics of worldly wisdom in our lives. Lord, we do see evidence of jealousy, bitterness, selfish ambition. Lord, we see those things. But more importantly, God, we see our Savior, Jesus Christ. We see Him on the cross. And we see Him taking on all our sin upon Himself. We read in Your Word that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. We read in Your Word that You will complete what You have begun in us. And so even though we see these traces of worldly wisdom, God, we know that You are able to continue to help us move forward and be wise, to be full of godly wisdom, to exercise Your truth in our lives in meekness. God, would You strengthen us this morning? As we leave this place and go throughout this city this week, God, would you help us to um, live out your truth in such a way that people may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.